Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Trey. Unfortunately, my wife's not here again, but Thaddeus is. Uh, so I'm glad to have howdy, you. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> and... Um, Brazos Valley, Central Texas. That's right. We're here. That's crazy, everybody. Um, we hope that with this next few weeks will be difficult with with um, well Madison finishing up at Kilgore. Right, big week. That's where she is this week. She was sick before. At some point, she will get back because I know she's the best half of the show. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, pray for her we'll be praying for her and ask for your prayers as she travels and then as we travel up there this weekend so indeed um indeed. and let's begin let's begin with this with our prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen lord god from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name father you are love and life through your son jesus christ born of woman and through the holy spirit the fountain of divine charity Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Pope John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We were talking, I know that uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about discernment, and uh, I know that Thaddeus heard heard something that I think is something we've mentioned before, but it's always worth uh, mentioning again. Um, go ahead. Thaddeus. Oh, sure. This morning on uh, Morning Air, they had a, a priest. I wasn't able to catch who it was that was speaking with, with John Harper, but uh, he mentioned that the value of Praying the examine, the daily examine uh, of St. Ignatius, he said it, he, he particularly took, took note of doing it at the end of the day, taking stock of your day. And he, I thought it was, uh, it piqued my, my interest because he said, especially for uh, discernment, if you're trying to discern a major decision or if you're trying to discern your vocation, it's really, he said, really essential that you are doing that, um, and yeah. for that for that reason. So, I just wanted to mention that to our our listeners that um, put that into your your toolbox or your quiver for yeah and discernment. I, and, it, and I and while we, I mean, I'm I know I f- fall short of that. But, I do, but too. I but. I, but it really doesn't take that long and it and it's much easier to remember things if you if you take every day it 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 a, a moment so you can see things and if you do it regularly the other thing is you can see trends you can see things that that are happening over and over and so it just allows you to kind of reorient yeah. um daily as opposed to yeah. monthly or however long how I many you know between confessions sometimes we do daily we do an, an examine at night right. as a family yeah. i do not like doing that because <laughs> <laughs> i have to say i bit this person's head off today or uh, i really flubbed doing something that mom asked me to do or i well, you yelled can, one of the kids unjustly that. you know but you could do one like you like they do when they do an examine maybe at a communal service where where you could just sit quietly and and have a few points of reflection and not do that. I think it's a good thing for a parent yeah. to, to do that so that the kids can hear it. Exactly. Um, so I think that's a great way of exam. But as they get older, you know, to get them in the habit of doing it, they may not feel comfortable or they may just say what 
they think they're supposed to say, yep. Yep. as opposed to maybe just saying, look, this is between you and the Lord, but this is something that you should do. Yep. You've seen us do it before. You've heard how it's meant to be. You know, now we're just going to take a little time. I'm telling you that probably has never happened in our house. It ought to, but I'm just here to tell you, um, there are things that always are pointed out by sure. by various people that are always like oh, that. That would be a best practices. That would be something, <laughs> and it's something that would be could be changed. It could change a lot of things in your family if you do. But I think the church has always taught St. Ignatius forward, but that that we should regularly examine. You know, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. What's going? What do we struggle with? I mean, goodness gracious. If you've ever looked like at Benjamin Franklin or whatever, when he talks about developing virtue, I mean, the, he talks about even if it's just picking one thing that 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 you have to evaluate how you did for, on that one virtue or trying to get rid of that one vice daily. Yep. So this is this is the church, but it's also just common wisdom um, mm-hmm. that the way you make a change, the way you would come to a decision or be able to discern something, is just being aware of what's going on in your life and what you're struggling with and what you're having some success with and, and, and opening yourself up to what is God going to do with that? So, um, anyway, so today we're going to talk, we kind of talked last week, we had, we had mentioned, um, about how the church is meant to be the, you know, a sign of a sign of God that as a sacrament, the, the holy matrimony is meant to outwardly be assigned to this world of some number of invisible truths about God, about the church. And one of the things was the domestic church. And so if we, if we look at the, the domestic church, if we look at a family as the domestic church, we can apply traits of the Catholic church and say that the, that the domestic church should strive towards those similar attributes. And um, one of those attributes, well, not one of those, we, we say, we say it every, every Sunday in the creed at a minimum <laughs> that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The creed, that's that long that's thing right. we that's mum- that mumble we, through in the middle of mass, in right? In the middle of mass on Sundays. Okay, yes, good. that's right. The, the, uh, the Nicene creed. Um, some, you know, some families, they do the, uh, sometimes I fall into the Niceno apostolic creed. Oh, that's I, not, yeah. I mix up my parts yeah, of no, the Nicene so creed I. with yeah. the apostles creed. I think, I, I think, I don't think, well, I don't necessarily think it's, it's terrible. I mean, all it, it, what's, what's interesting is if you look at it, I mean, the beginning, the, the beginning expression of our faith which has been around is is to do the sign of the cross. I mean, the sign of the cross is is an expression of really the essence of what we believe. We're, we're signing the cross. The cross saved us. We we're we are found. Hopefully, we're meant to be in the family of God. So, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, it reminds us of who we are in Christ. It reminds us of our baptism. And if you just take that, that is really the framework for <laughs> it's for every creed that's ever been put together. It's kind of the outline for that. So it's you know you 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 come into church or you go wherever you are when you when you say the prayer, which is you know the signing or something, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're really kind of given the Cliff Notes version <laughs> of, yeah. of 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 what we believe. True. Um, so. I think that's a fair way to see it. Every time we break it up, whether you go to a baptism, which we went to, uh, we saw, I guess, last week, in addition to a confirmation, um, you know, you had, you had, or three confirmations. But, three confirmations. Uh, yeah, we have triplets, you know. Oh, actually, it, was, it was actually more like, it was actually more like 78 confirmations, but three right. of them were my, were, were our kids. Right. That's um, a good percentage. That's a pretty good percentage. I bet we had the highest percentage of anybody there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, but I think it's it's important to remember in the more extended version of the creed, um, of the Nicene Creed, the one that we typically say on on Sundays. Not always. We can say the Apostolic Creed, which is shorter. Um, but to take the the Nicene Creed, which is the one we normally say, they reference the Church as one holy Catholic and apostolic. 
And I, and I think today what I think would be good is to kind of go back. We've done this before. Um, we actually gave a series of talks, even as far as I, I was just looking at this was 12 years ago. I think we'd actually did one before back more like 13 years ago. But, you know, the good thing about the church is uh, most of it's timeless and <laughs> doesn't change. So uh, we can always go back and look over look over this. But I, but I thought it would be a good exercise to go through some practical, recognizing what we're called to. We're called to oneness. We're called to holiness. We're called to Catholicity. Catholicity. And we're called to be apostolic. Um, that, that Those are all things that would fit as a family. That's what that should be who... That should be what we are. Um, so, so one family, how do we, how do we so do one, that? So one, I, well, first I want to go, the, the, where we get this is, is, is a good place. The catechism 2204 says that the Christian family constitutes a specific revelation and realization of ecclesial communion or of church communion. And for this reason, it can and should be called a domestic church. It is a community of faith, hope, and love. It assumes similar important, singular importance in the church, as is evident in the New Testament. The church is, is saying <laughs> the family is kind of the core. It's the it is the the cell. We're, individuals aren't the cell of society. The family is. That's that's what is meant to be. And so I think it's really important. To rem- to remember, she says that we are a specific revelation, which means we're, God is, again, as a sign, is revealing something about the church, about ecclesial communion in and through families. So like just like our marriage is meant to be an accurate reflection, or God is asking for us to reflect that unity as a couple, so a family is meant to be a revelation of it it's also i find it interesting it's called it's also a realization of that communion so it's kind of actually something that flows from flows from the unity of the church the domestic church a family is a realization of it meaning it it actually concretely happens it's it's like everything else like in the eucharist it's the source and the summit you know well it's in this, it's a revelation of it, but it's also a realization of it simultaneously. Because what a sacrament does is it provides you the grace to do it. It signifies something, but that actually affects signifying that. It makes it happen, which is good news. We got God's help on this one. So anyway, you look like you're you going to say anything? No, sir. Keep going. No, sir. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going going through this. To be one, so... As a visible sign, you know, the family must strive to become one, and that's a unity. So let's go through some things that we have. All unity, all unity flows from the singular unity, the, the, the source of all unity, which is the blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we must, we got to participate in the unity of, of God if we're going to actually live out that godliness. I, I read a quote, and I'm, I think I'm going to try to put it in a talk. I don't have it in, with me, but I, but John Paul II actually talking to family says that that while without the gospel that he that he believed and that he believed the church has always taught that without the gospel it's impossible for a family to fully realize itself. So that's a bold statement. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, everybody, but he, but but he, but he's saying that we have to realize that. Well, what's at the heart of why Jesus came here? Jesus came here certainly to die so that we might live forever with him. But he also came, the first thing he revealed was the, was the fact that God was three persons, one God. So, and that his dying and everything that he left behind is meant to draw us into a participation of that. St. Peter says that we become partakers of the divine nature, that we become that so we should as a family if we're going to actually be effective at it we we need to remember that we got to start with who is the source because we can do all this other stuff we can have family meetings we can read books together we can go on trips together but if we think that we're creating the unity first this again like we've talked about if we dismiss the invisible <laughs> 
and and don't recognize that the invisible is in fact more effective than we are yeah then then we are missing the boat and we will fall short mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. so the first step towards unity is that how do we participate as a family in the divine life become partakers as individuals and collectively of the divine nature this is as well uh, then cardinal uh well pope benedict <laughs> uh cardinal ratzinger would write he talk about the vertical um relationship that always starts and i, I always find if you look at a cross it, it really always think about this jesus is god he could have died any number of ways the way he died was the way he always intended to die there's a reason why he died on a cross right there is a vertical aspect and then there's a horizontal aspect humanity is at the heart of that but that vertical aspect if you think about a cross, a cross does not stand without the vertical. I mean, if the vertical is not planted, if you don't have heaven meeting earth, then it's not going to stand. And I think there is reason that he chose that as a sign. The foundation of unity is always going to be the connection between our daily life upward, if we're going to, up to God, all right? If that's not firmly planted, all the rest of it falls apart. So how do we do that? I mean, some of this should be pretty. At the heart, we go to Mass together. We, we, we participate in the Eucharist. That should be something that should be central to everything that we, we do as a, as a Catholic Christian family. It, it should be recognized, you know, this is an opportunity to go participate with God. This is an opportunity to go and spend time with him, but he is pouring his life into us. And that is the source of whatever unity that we have. So obviously there's that. Um, Prayer. Again, what are we doing? We're trying to connect vertically, so to speak, and have that be the foundation. Pray as an individual daily, (laughs) moment to moment. We've talked about even if you set your watch to go off hourly, just make a glance to heaven. I mean, that's what Therese of Lisieux said is prayer is just a simple glance to heaven, recognizing him as a couple pray. Um, I fall short on that. Um, I don't, I, I've talked to many, there's a lot, the, the people that I know that do a good job of it. I do recognize it does seem to me at least externally that they, again, there's an awareness that God's involved in that in their life. It's an acknowledgement of it. Um, we get sometimes too busy. I know we do, or, you know, I end up falling asleep or she ends up falling asleep before we actually get to do that. But I don't know if you struggle with that, Thaddeus, but, um, very much so. I did have some, I have some thoughts about this unity piece when you, when you wrap it up, I'll come in at the end. Oh, okay. And then frequenting the, the sacraments confession, we got to remember that, that grace is something that elevates our nature. Grace is something that God pours into our, and the one thing that keeps grace from taking its effect, well, there's a couple things, but certainly sin, which is an outward expression of, no, I don't believe you, or I'm not going to do what you asked me to do, Lord, even though I know it, it blocks off grace or it limits the effect that grace can have. So frequenting confession would allow the grace of the sacrament, the grace of going to Mass, the grace of prayer, all of that grace to have more of an impact on that, which would include unity. Again, if you pray for unity, <laughs> that's a prayer God always answers. There, there are prayers you know that if you pray for it, the answer is yes. Can I, you know, can I get a million dollars? The answer, yes or no. <laughs> but if, but if we're gonna, if we're gonna do it, we need to know prospects that that's a don't look good, right? Yeah, I don't know about that. No. I, I don't think that. That prayers never work for me. But, <laughs> but anyway, so we have this vertical dimension. Second, um, it's important for the Christian family to rely on the unity of the husband and the wife. Okay, I I think I, somebody has told me this. I think it is very important to remember the unity of a family has a hierarchy. All right, just simply in time. <laughs> the relationship between a husband and a wife is 
the centerpiece of the connection with God. They're, they're living the sacrament and the children and the family flow from that, that intersection of those two. I firmly believe that that relationship should take priority. <laughs> my, my, you know, this is not from a Catholic perspective. My parents used to go at least twice a year away, sometimes just just to downtown Houston when we lived in Houston. And if you ask my mother, this is her simple way of, of saying it. She said, well, I've got to live with him a lot longer than I got to live with you. So <laughs> we need to stay friends. I mean, and so there's something about it taking priority. And I think children want that. I mean, if you, if you hear the sadness of people who go, I think they want that. So again, there, I'm sure there are people out there listening who maybe are have had their are not married anymore for one reason or another. This is not okay. We're going to start with the ideal, and then we can work. <laughs> we can work down. If you're a single parent, I think it's really important to tap into a and to maybe even be more visible with your children about my connection with God the Father. I, I, with that connection, because that's really the core of even this. That's the, that's the center of this. But if you're married to your husband, it should take priority. The The children should not take priority over your marriage. It's not an either or though. I mean, it's a both and, but they're a fruit of your marriage. Mm -hmm. So, um, here's a few things that have worked for us that I think are important and this is kind of beginning off playing off what my my mother said. A date night is really important. Yes, it doesn't have to be anything super expensive or anything. It could be just going away. But your kids need to see y'all going together away in, in ideal circumstance. Um, couch time was another thing, particularly when they were younger, that we that we used. And what now we do, and we've talked about it here. I mean, sometimes it's kitchen time, but there is a time when we would just say, even if things are going on, this is mom and dad's time to talk. Usually, mm -hmm. right after work or or whatever, mm -hmm. do not interrupt. Mm -hmm. And when they're young, and when they're younger, um, we even use signs. You know, like we even put a sign. You know, this is twenty minutes. We'd set a timer. Posted, no trespass. Right, or there's a timer. Right. You know, I mean, even where they could see, but they. You'd have to be an emergency for them to interrupt. Yep. Um, mom and dad are, so when he comes home, right at the beginning, again, as a sign that points to to this takes priority. Here's another thing that I think is a great thing. When the kids get older, I don't think it happens quite as much when they're younger. They might they might disrespect one or the other of the of the parents, and they may even go to the other parent uh, so as to not um, <laughs> cause division. They, they, I mean, from us, is there's an answer to this. A child may come to you and say, you know, mom, she did this, and this is why I did that, and or dad did this, and pointing at that. To use the term, that is my wife you're talking about. Mm. To, to make a distinction. This is just not another person in the house. <laughs> this is my wife. All right. So you're talking about her. Yeah. To let them know <laughs> that she holds a position of deep respect. Yes. Of, uh, and and those the, for a, for a wife to say that's my husband you're talking about. So you need to maybe retract or back up on what you're saying and maybe rephrase what you're talking about. I think that's a great one. As a family, family nights. You know, do we we would do games. You know, yep. game nights are always fun <laughs> when they were young because of the hyper-competitive child right. at my eldest. Sometimes we'd have to break that up earlier because <laughs> it would devolve into something less than that. But the but those are always good things. Um, anyway, asking for – there's so many things that you can do to actually express that unity. But always be pointing to the to them to the fact that there is the, – the marriage is the center of it that they don't exist separate from that marriage and that they're a fruit of it. And we love them for that. Yeah. But we're, but they're first. Um, so those two, and then finally, it, I think this is really important for them to understand that all 
visible unity, if we look at the church, is tied to even even Jesus put a person in place. On the Catholic Church, the Pope is a sign of visible unity. So we need to recognize that and and that 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 person has authority. Well, as parents, we need to hold fast to the fact that we have authority. We've talked about this before, maybe not in these exact terms. What's important about authority? I think that in this culture and in this in this country, we we've done an injustice to it that authority is used to kind of run over people, <laughs> you know, to to it's not what it's meant to be. Authority is for the sake of serving another. Authority is something that's been given to somebody so that they can look out for those who are under their authority for the sake of those people. That's what the church is. I think it is so important if we're going to be an accurate sign visibly of unity is that we have to have authority, but that authority is always got to be referenced in reference to this is for your good children. The reason that we're, not letting you go do this is because of this. That's for your good, not because of mine. That at least we can help them understand that, that when authority is challenged in other places, that they can maybe have a different frame of reference than this culture tends to have, which views all authority as abusive or somebody who's trying to take advantage, that the only reason that they're there is that. Mm-hmm. That is not what authority is meant to be. That's like Jesus said, you know, some lord it over them, but you will be the servant. Right, right. The Pope is, in fact, called the servant of God's servants. That's right. So he's 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 almost, in the eyes of the church, He's while he's held in a position of authority, his job is to serve the servants of God. So he's lower than, he's the lowest. That's where you, I think you get the last shall be first right. kind of mentality. So as a family, we need, to, we need to do that. So how do we do that? Authority, you, you go through a couple of things. Number one, obedience is really important. We set limits. We talked about being in the funnel. So set limits and have rules. There's nothing wrong with setting limits and having rules. It is important, I think, to understand why you're setting the limits and at some point to be able to articulate, although you don't have to, to your children why those rules are there and what benefit it serves them. Those are part of that part of the discussion that has to be ongoing. Um, you have to enforce the rules <laughs> and and set the limits. Mm. And and that's that's hard. But again That's an ugly job sometime enforcing those. those it it limits. is. And you know I think it's important to also remember in enforcing those, sometimes you can also reveal God's mercy by strategically yes. and appropriately maybe not enforcing, not always be... Not giving them what they deserve. Always, yeah. Sometimes they need to get what they deserve, and that's, again, a prayerful yep. a prayerful um, deal, but always leaning towards them at least from time to time seeing your mercy because then they can see I like God. to lean into giving them what they deserve usually. Is that is that bad? Is that wrong? You like to lean into that. Yeah, I like to. I like to kind of err towards giving them what they deserve. A lot. Yeah. I really like well, it. No, I don't think. I don't think it's a problem. I just think as long as it's tempered by every once in a while, without them asking or begging. Okay. You might at least show them that. I don't. I don't I'll try to work on that. Drew. Well, well, Stephanie. If Stephanie was here, she's she's <laughs> the rougher of the two of us in terms of in terms of that. And I can tell you, it's important for them to understand that those rules aren't there just for show. Mm-hmm. I mean that they're there for a reason yeah. and that you, you know, you can't, I think you can go too far in being, it's like anything else. I think the, the, the middle is where the virtue is found, right? You can go too far and say, I'm always going to, no matter what, without taking into account anything else, I'm going to enforce them. And there's just, going a, to it's just it. the objective. Right. That's, e- that's, run. that's not easy, but I think, it's easy from the standpoint if you say that's what we're going to do always, then you always do it. Yep. That's easy. The other side is, hey, we're going to have these rules, but they don't find we're always going to forgive them. We're always going to let them. Well, that's a whole nother direction. That's not really the way life is. Life is typically somewhere in the middle. I mean, even if yep. you look at your own life, I mean, you'll find times when God, when people have been merciful to you. You know, when you probably deserved worse than you got. 
and mm-hmm. and somebody didn't, and you appreciated that. Mm-hmm. But you have to also be aware. So part of unity is submitting to a proper authority, including obeying that proper authority, recognizing that that obedience is for my good as the person who's obeying, not because somebody else. And I think it's really important not to use one's own authority to get what we want, which could be, I mean, like I, you know, where it's happened with me is, you know, I want to watch this football game. Would everybody please shut up? You know, I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's an improper use of authority. I mean, uh, some people might disagree with that, but my point is, is that if they begin to perceive you as a regular person who is using their authority just to get what you want, then, then you're going to play into what most people, what they're going to get if they ask somebody on the street what authority is. Yeah. Um, We've got to be signs of contradiction. We've got to be something different than what they're getting out there. Mm -hmm. And so every once in a while, you might want to surprise them. With with that, I think I've had Marcel on here saying that did something where he had been he had done it, but but one time just out of surprise he he took her away and and actually said I'll take your punishment. I mean, she he did some things that were like I you know you would have to do this. I'm going to do it for you, mm. and you're going to watch me do it, and I'm not going to make you feel bad. I love you just to get a taste. I thought that was kind of a you know sometimes you got to mix it up <laughs> a little bit. She said she cried harder than she'd ever cried before because she would almost have felt better if he had made her do that and done what he had always done. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, forgiveness is another thing, authority that establishes truth, but it builds unity as well, which means there's a recognition of right and wrong, and I can make a choice to do that, and that families are great places, I mean, I, at least in my house. I mean, plenty of us offend others. Uh, myself included, and to be able to ask for forgiveness. Again, we don't believe in saying I'm sorry, or if we say I'm sorry, we're always going to say, but you really need to say, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. A couple of reasons. One, it it mirrors what happens in in confession, right? But also it puts the person who's asking at the service of the other person. Yeah. It's easy to say, I'm sorry, now I'm going to go do this and not listen. But if you say, please forgive me, it begs a response, you know, and, and we ask that if you can do it, say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, again, forgiveness, obedience are all part of authority and that freedom. And again, we've talked about the freedom is what it's for. It, it's meant for, for that. So freedom comes with obedience. It comes with self-control. It comes with responsibility. And so as a family, just as the church is even grown from that, that 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 the limits aren't. If we see limits as being something that somebody in authority has given us to protect us, so that we can live freely by being able to say no to those things, then we should be looking for ways to extend more freedoms to our children as they grow older and show obedience and show forgiveness and show maturity. Mm-hmm. Then we should do that. That would be what we move towards. And again, what you're doing is building unity from that. Anyway, last thing is just like the meals together, what Jesus set up where we're supposed to do You know, he provides a meal <laughs> every day for us in, in the mass, right? It's available every day. Right. Family traditions, just like the various traditions, there should be family traditions that you have that cultivates unity too. The way you open presents on a on a tether, what you do on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. all those things are traditions that cultivate unity. Um, I think this is a great thing for dads, especially to verbalize pleasure with your family, of, of, of your family. I, I'm so blessed to have you as my wife and you, your children. I, I can't tell you how much joy it brings me for us to go out together, right. something along right. those lines, just showing that you, that you care. And then teamwork is another outward giving of self. So that's a lot of stuff on unity, but I, but I think that those all are, those are all very important to get at. So basically visible, invisible unity comes from being partakers of the divine nature, mass confession, all those second Horizontal unity, 
parents at the center, but but other but other things, date nights, even date nights with kids, those things. And then third, authority is is a sign of unity, and from that, obedience, uh, forgiveness, and striving towards moving towards freedom for them is are all parts of that. So I think if we focus on those and then the traditions that that we can do day to day, I think that if we were, it's a lot to work on. If you could pick one or two that you that you'd like to. <laughs> Um, is there a suggestion you have for maybe where with those where to start? Well, I, are some are some more basic than others? Well, I mean, I think I think just simple things like like date night. I mean, I think it's really simple. If you're if you're married and and you're the parents, I think I think one of the things you have to do because this culture and this can can, can begin to put kids at the center. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that just to make sure that you're having a date night or that you're at least having what we'd call couch time yep. where your kids are saying, we take priority for this moment. I mean, let's, you know, you cut a finger off or something like that, but for 20 minutes, y'all can wait while mom and dad reconnect, mm-hmm. just talk about what's going on. I think that's something that I would highly recommend if you're not doing it um, to point towards that. And I think, I think the other thing is, is making sure that, I think we can all look at trying to make sure that they understand authority is for their sake. So anytime that we're disciplining our children, I think we really need to think through why is this good for them? You don't have to apply it at the time. You don't have to wait for their approval, <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in times of non-conflict, if, if as a parent, what, what does that mean? You may have to discipline and send a kid, and there may be yelling and screaming or crying or whatever. That's not the time to communicate why. But I would think I would move towards communicating why, and maybe later on, hey, you remember when we had that thing? A lot of people just want to drop it once it's done. Yeah, Th- this is why I think this is really important. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think I think if you do those things, um, something I got from from my parents, I heard growing up, and on on authority, which I I have just started to bring this out a little bit because of the ages of my children. But right. I heard another reason to, it's, it's, I need to respect the authority that's around me and, and be obedient and listen to it is someday I'm going to be the one that's in the position of authority. Yep. And if I haven't lived my life, where I'm submitting to just authority and I'm, you know, playing by the rules and I'm right. doing what's what's told. I'm not going to have that that moral authority and that moral compass and self discipline to exercise the authority that I'm given properly. Right. Mm-hmm. When I'm in that position, so that you know, that's a maybe that's kind of a heady. It is uh, heady, but I think it's way of, and that's that's calling on a child to really be able to look down the road. And so you got to gauge when, when yeah, so it's appropriate to unveil to that. that. But I think, I think all those things. That was excellent for me though. We have ahead. to, we have to, we have to, I think that's a great point because it does need to be said that, that they need to understand that, you know, this is kind of, we all, I was a child just like you. I was a teenager just like you. I was a 20 year old just like you. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you to understand that, but we've been through this. Um, if we can't, at least in our, say that you know while we fell we did submit to proper authority most of the time sure. and if we didn't we sought forgiveness at some point mm-hmm. um we need to be able to call on that if you if you didn't doesn't mean you're still not called to it but i think it's important to point out to them as younger ones that that is something that they need to recognize and, it is definitely and they're heavy. growing. They're going to grow into that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I would do if you're not doing it is do have a family time set aside. I mean, even if it's just 20 minutes, you know, I always find even today pretty, pretty productive just to talk about what we're doing over the next week to get together. Usually that, that, that jokes start being told and kids, people start laughing. So it builds, just just being around. And Stephanie likes to do that that uh, family the gospel, meeting on. Yeah, the gospel meeting. Get yeah. on the same page, people. 
on the same page. <laughs> Which I, the gospel meeting. But, mm. but, but again, I think it, it extends to this. You've got to make time to just get together, even if that's the only reason that you have. It, it may be very small. There may be very little even talk about to get on the same page. But as we talked about when we talked about, I think the guy's name was Simak, talking about the fact that you need to have that time that's not filled with an agenda, yeah. that you're together. So just to get together yeah. and allow for the conversations that, that, that occur, even the joking around or how you doing, that occur builds unity. Mm-hmm. You have to make time for that. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to always fill it with stuff. You know, you could fill it with a game, and that's great. But there's nothing wrong with saying we're going to have a meeting, even if it's just for 15 minutes, to just talk about what's going on tomorrow. Yeah. And allow that to become something that, oh, yeah, you know, it's fun. I haven't talked to you about this. And I had that go last week or whatever and let it just happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, really cool. So if you make time for that, date nights, at least beginning to recapture mom and dad or at or at the center, or at least couch time, or some couch kind time of designated time where sometime it, and preferably that's when regular. they're aware that that's happening, yeah, you know that they see it or aware. Okay, this time is theirs. Yeah, um, I think is is really important. Yeah. Um, something else I was going to offer was uh, I was thinking about this um, last week a little bit with the the mass being the source and summit of right. the faith and. And you mentioned prayer as well in there and how those are so much in relationship with each other in that I think a lot of times we hear the mass being the source and summit kind of it's used with this meaning of it's supposed to be this incredible experience for you or you should understand that it's this it's this incredible right. transcendent experience, which which it is. It doesn't always feel that way or appear that way physically, but it, it really is. Right. But to understand that that summit word, which is that's at the the summit of a mountain, is at the right. peak. Right. Well, you don't just. It's a lot different getting to the summit of the mountain if you just take the cable car up to it, right. and you just rather than if you climb. Right. So, trying to commit commit myself to climbing up to the summit during the week, you right. know, through a. A richer prayer life, better engagement, more regular engagement with the the scriptures, or studying the lives of the saints, or doing some spiritual reading. You know, Absolutely. being more deliberate about that to help make that summit moment on Sunday more like a summit moment. Right, and I, and I think the I think the cool thing I think it's really important. You can make the link as they get older between the mass and real life. Okay. This is a very simplistic way of looking at it, but the mass is a lot of the same stuff over and over. Sure. <laughs> it it can it can look boring if we don't really understand what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. There are people that are in authority, there's time to speak, there's time not to speak. Well, the family is the same way. It 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 becomes very repetitive. It can be something that that even seems boring and mundane yeah. if we don't open our eyes to what's really going on here. The family is meant to be the domestic church. It is meant to be a place where virtue comes out, where everything that we're meant to be is meant to flow from this family relationship. Right. And we can get caught up in missing or caught up in the entertainment value in a family yep. and forget that the church in her mass, which is the family meal, right? And the family teaching and the family get together. Yep, <laughs> it's not always fun and entertaining, but we're missing something if we're not recognizing that it is indeed the most important thing that we can do. We can say the same thing for the family. It, it's the most important thing that we can do. Yeah, you know, we do this. Our schedule is over and over the same thing. I think you can make that connection in a way and say, "Look, that's." Life is meant, life as God has revealed it in and through the person of Jesus, he came in in the family, in and through what he left behind in the church is pointing yeah. us to the fact that 
we're not meant to be entertained all the time. Right. I mean, that's a great point. And, and most families have a routine about how they do their family meal too. And right. they, they eat kind of the same things over yes, and over again. I, I say it is. That doesn't take away from the meaning and the beauty of, of the family meal together and what, what's, what's available there. Right. And that's why we, we gotta, we've got to make sure that we're saying that and teaching them that it's not always about it being, you know, fun. I mean, the quote or, or about it being entertaining. Mm-hmm. It can be that, but, but that doesn't make it because again, that takes, takes away from it's, it's actually looking at something external to give it when in fact it's the communion of the persons. It's the persons getting together who are spending time talking and arguing, disagreeing, loving on one another, sharing something together. I mean, all those things are happening right. in the family, and that's normal life. Right. Um, we've got to work towards recapturing the fact that we're at, you know, the value of the routine. And I've heard somebody say, and I can't remember who it was, talking about, you know, we say we don't like routine, but the reality is is if the sun didn't come up when it's expected to tomorrow – it would scare the heck out of us. Right. That'd be a I mean, big problem. If, 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 you know, if things change so significantly that we couldn't look at our watch and know this is where I'm supposed to be at this time. So we do like routine. We just tend to think we don't like routine. Yeah. I mean, we like to know when and where things are going to happen with a family. We can, we can go too far and, and try to make it more than it has to be. It just needs to be together. I don't know where we, oh, we're close. Um, we may have to go. I'll, I'll go to the next one, which I think is, We've talked about so one. We're definitely we're, doing another show. We're definitely doing another show on the, this. The yeah. rest of this, but 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 I, but I think again, if we don't get to the holiness, I think this is a point we're saying. It's a way of looking at what you do as a family, which I'm proposing here, which I don't think I'm proposing. I, I think the church is proposing. Yeah, we're meant to take seriously the fact that we should be outward revelation of. The church's communion, all right, of it, of its unity with that. So, as such, we should purposely be thinking: How can I do this? Mm-hmm. What What do I need to do? Or just the day to day stuff? You're probably doing some of the things that we're talking about. It's not just doing it; it's making the connection. Hey, this is purposely why I do this. This is why yeah. I prepare the yeah. meal. This is why I say, okay, on this night, even though things are busy, we're going to have a meal together. Right. Everybody will say no to their friends. <laughs> we'll put it, and we're going to have a meal together. Right. The church does what? Offers the meal all week long, but it does require or highly suggests that you make it once a week. Right. Well, I think as a family, it's fair to say. At least once a week, we're going to make a point to gather as a family around the table. That's being purposeful. You may be doing that already, yeah. but but I, that's purposely saying we're going to try to be an accurate reflection of the church, yeah. right? We don't have to make it entertaining. The church doesn't worry too much about it being entertaining. It is more concerned about us participating consciously and actively in it. So what does that look like? Well, if we have a gathering, whatever the gathering is, we want full conscious and active participation in our time. So what does that mean? Maybe we set a clock and say 20 minutes, but 20 minutes we're getting the full attention of everybody here. If somebody's talking, everybody else is listening. We're going to demand that of you. I mean, when they're younger, maybe it's five minutes, but pick something and say, we're going to get together and do this. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, that is what we're called to. And I suppose another part of this unity piece too is if you're hearing some of these ideas and you want to implement them in your family, talk with your spouse about these things first. Don't just come home and say, right, absolutely. We're doing it. So, you know, be on of one heart and mind right, I think as a married couple about so come how you're together, gonna, yeah, come together, come together on the fact that, look, we're going to take seriously the fact that, that we're meant to be a domestic church. Here are some things that we could maybe do. We'll just, let's just add this one thing this next week. What do you think about that? And what we're, again, you don't have to over-spiritualize this. You don't even have 
to necessarily make the connections with the kids initially. Right. You just do it. Start doing just it. Just start doing it. What's wrong with saying I we're going to have dinner at least one night a week? It's just out, it's us. No friends, no nothing, no TV. Maybe, maybe no TV. No Mom TV. and dad put, you know, put your, put your cell, cell phones, phones away. away. If they're younger, when they're older, for sure. Everybody puts their cell phones away. And and start off with, I, I always say, when you're starting something new, <laughs> make sure that you define what your expectation is well. Make sure it's a very attainable goal for the age of the kids. And then just do it. Look, we're going to set the clock. I promise you when it goes off, we're done. Okay? And then just extend it over time. You can make it 10 minutes or you can make it five. When they're older, you know, when they're my kids' age, they better be able to give me 25 minutes because they're going to watch a TV show for 25 minutes. So let's get together. It's on. But when 25 minutes is up, you know, y'all are free. So just be conscious about that, I guess, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's a way of thinking more than it is a prescription, I guess. So I know we're getting, we're down to the end here. Um, again, as I'll try to do Stephanie's, Stephanie's deal, because I think it's really important. Remember to parent with purpose, uh, pray, and then prepare for God to amaze you. Cause he will, if you'll just, if you'll just take the time to be purposeful about what you do. So this week do something to make the domestic church, uh, more like your domestic church, more like the church of Jesus Christ. And, um, anyway, pray for us. Hopefully Stephanie will be back next next week. Thank you, Thaddeus, for uh for Love being it. here. And um anyway. Good job, excited. Trey. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much, Thaddeus. I didn't I can't see the time from here. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 